Hey, my name is Chris Williams, and you are now listening to the Grow Your Side Business Podcast. I help ambitious employees grow a profitable side business. If you haven't had an opportunity yet, go check out growyoursidebusiness.com where we've got all the content, the tips, the strategies, and more. You're in the right place at the right time, and we're here to help you grow a serious, profitable side business. Let's listen to today's episode. In my assumptive nature, I would assume that when somebody's been a CEO, it's almost like being an actor. You get typecasted and you follow the typecast, meaning you were uh, a CEO of a you know, photography company. Well, maybe I'll jump to the next photography company or within the photography industry. Uh, but you seem to see yourself as a CEO who can move their skill set in multiple disciplines. Yes. Yeah, I'm a polymath. So, and and I didn't I didn't know what that meant until recently. I have worked. Explain what in, that means. It me, it's a person who is sort of, um, a, what is it, Jack or Jill of many trades, master of none. Uh, and for me, I feel like I have that Liam Neeson and taken that particular set of skills that I can apply to a lot of different things. So I have worked in, I started out working in the steel industry. I've worked in health insurance. I've worked in management consulting, television and entertainment, retail, uh, e-com photography. I've, I've done a lot of different things and I feel like I've got a good skill set. I'm, I'm a fast learner. And I think, I think a lot of people are quite honestly, I don't think it's just CEOs. I think that we don't give people enough credit for learning as fast as they do. Yeah. Is it, is it, um, you strike me though, as a person who also loves a challenge. Oh yeah. I like a mess. My family. So I grew up in a dysfunctional family. So all the corporations for the most part are companies that I've worked at have kind of looked like my family. Yeah. <laughs> There's an approach. I'm waiting for that book to come out. Yeah. Um, um, all right. So so let's talk about your program. So you, you step away from CEO world, done it three times. Um, you decide I want to go on, a, on another mission and you wanted to specifically help women who are trying to become a CEO. Let, let's talk about your you're off ramp to your third CEO role and talk to me about like why you want to wanted to build this, this type of program. So, yeah, I was in my third CEO role working for somebody else. I was working for a former Navy SEAL. His name was Mark Devine and he had a really interesting uh, business, which was a, a coaching and training business based on all the magnificent things that, you know, a Navy SEAL, you know, uh, could impart on people. And there are a lot of folks who've been in special forces who, who do that sort of stuff. His was really unique in that it was really, um, really thoughtful and kind of Zen in a way that, you know, a lot of Navy SEALs aren't, which is, which is kind of neat for him. But I was there for six months and it was just hard. It was hard to work for a founder. I mean, I am a founder now and founders want it the way they want it. And even sometimes we think we're ready for outsiders and we're not. And I just, frankly, he wasn't ready, but it, I needed to have that experience because I, it made me go, huh, there are no women doing this type of work. And when I say no women, that's not entirely true. There are women who are doing influencer work, coaching work at a, at a pretty visible level. But what I saw was a lot of kingmakers, right? You think about Tony Robbins, you think about some of these other, you know, influencers who are into self-improvement, making people better. Those people tend to be men. It's not that 
folks don't go to Tony Robbins who are women. I've been to his stuff, by the way. I think a lot of it's pretty brilliant. Um, but that said, I was like, where are the women, right, that are teaching other women? Because our space is very unique and our needs are unique. And, you know, that's just the culture and society we live in. So I, I really decided I wanted to be that queen maker. You've heard of king makers, the, you know, really great men behind great men. And I wanted to be the person who's advising women in the same way, uh, almost like that godfather consigliere. Um, and that's for better or for worse, what I've been doing now for the last almost 18 months. Now, as you started this journey, this was different because this wasn't, I'm coming in and the company's running hundreds of millions of dollars. And I just got to figure out the, the pieces. There's already, you know, 500 people here, 10,000 people here. I've already got the resources. This is your idea from zero dollars, zero operation. This is yours, right? And it's like having a kid, right? Um, What was or what has been the hardest challenge for you so far, even though you've got all this experience of being the CMO <laughs> Being the CEO, what's been the the hardest challenge right now? I'm a gadfly, and I it's funny because it used to really annoy me when I worked with founders, and now I am one, and I'm doing all the stuff that founders do, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so annoying. <laughs> and it's nice, my husband, he does my my back office stuff for me. He's retired, and so he set up my CRM. He did all kinds of really critical stuff. And I will come up with a new idea for a new product daily. And I'm like, I'm going to launch this. And he's like, how about we just live with the stuff that we've launched? And I'm like, oh, yeah. So I, I'm very, I think the hardest thing for me is I'm not really good with letting something live and breathe, which as a CEO for somebody else, I was great with it. But with myself, I've always got another idea and I always want to launch a new thing, which is, it's a bad idea. I mean, you, you, you got to give some some oxygen to the things and effort that you've already launched. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. How did you find your first client? Hey, really quickly, I just wanted you to know that this experience is awesome audio wise. And I know you're loving it because otherwise you wouldn't be here. But I want you to know we also have a YouTube version of this same conversation. You can go to Grow Your Side Business over on YouTube right now. And guess what? You can watch us have this conversation out loud in the open. Uh, sometimes it just does better to make things stick when you're watching. So whether you're at home, whether you're in the office or wherever you might be and you're listening to this episode, go check us out on YouTube. Let's get back to the conversation. My first client found me, actually. Um, I hadn't even decided to do this. And I live in a small community in the Lakes region of New Hampshire. And we have a really cute town called Wolfboro uh, next door. And that's sort of where everything is. Like there's a great main street, there's cute restaurants, but there's this one couple that has this amazing restaurant and we've known them since we moved up here right we just we ate at their restaurants where we decided to buy a farm here like it's a, kind of a special little place to us and we just really love them we love their approach to food we love everything and they came to me and said um hey you've got all this experience in business would you help us refine our restaurant and and really start to come up with the next iteration they had just been through the pandemic and they had weathered it better than most but that's because they did some pretty innovative stuff so they were like we'd like to take that build on it we work with us so that was my first client and then oddly, um, I was a, a member of a women's group called Chief at the time, and women just started to kind of come out of the woodwork and, you know, uh, asked if I would coach them. And that's how it grew. So what's the what's the goal here? What are we what are we ultimately after? 
I'd like to start a community for that truly is intersectional, though. Um, and one thing I talk a lot about is, is there's a lot of white feminism out there, which, to be fair, I think most of my life I practiced white feminism, to, to be honest, because there were many times when I was only thinking about myself and I wasn't thinking about what the challenges for women of color, maybe women who aren't, you know, hetero look like or, or cisgendered. And I think that I would love to have an accessible, meaning monetarily, financially accessible community of women. For those of us who can pay, right? And I'm, I'm privileged enough to be able to pay, we can pay. But for those who can't, I don't think that those people should be barred. And this is where the social, there's a social mission piece here. I don't think that women who have big dreams, big desires should be barred from getting the knowledge that I'm imparting. So one of the things I do with my coaching right now is I offer scholarships. I've offered about just under $150,000 in scholarships. Wow. And literally I say this to people and I've, I've gotten some crap for it, but black women go first followed by other women of color. That's how I hand them out. You have to be someone who's in transition, looking for your next role, but you can enroll if you get a scholarship from me in any workshop that I have for free. I take half hour sessions with these folks just to you know, be able to keep them, help them stay on track or give advice. But um, to me, and what able, enables me to do it, right? It's an ecosystem because I got other women who can afford to pay for my more expensive programs and that's how I feed the ecosystem. So I'd love to see that happen on a bigger basis. Interesting. So why black women first? Black women go first from my perspective, because black women have it hardest. Black women are seen in the workforce, especially as angry, intimidating. Um, they are often silenced. It's amazing. 60% uh, of my clients that I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with are women of color. And 40% of those women are, are actually black women. And what I hear from them over and over again, and it's their lived experience, why wouldn't I believe them? I believe them, is that they're often always looking for a new environment because the environment that they're in tries to force them to be something that they're not. Remember how I talked early on about how I felt like I was always, you know, squishing into a box, a tiny little box, you know, Denise, don't be so hostile. Don't be so outspoken. Don't be so direct. Well, black women take that sort of stuff way more than I ever did. So I feel like if we, if we want to, if we're, if I am true and I am right about wanting to make the world a different place, I have to make a clear path for black women to be who they are and do whatever the hell they want to do. Wow. That's, that's, that's interesting. Um, you know, as you, as, as you look, man, at this climate of corporations, let's start in America. We won't even go globally, but um, America's going through something right now. We don't know what the something is. We won't be able to define it until the future, which is normally how things work, but we're going through something right now. Um, Failing banks, um, interest rates. Um, there's a lot of fear in a lot of employment today. Um, there's a lot of unknown, but the causality are things that just kind of been creeping over time, right? Like we've been seeing it. It's just, totally. you know, now I feel like the roost is crowing, right? And things are just due. <laughs> you can't do but so many things for so long and think that it's just going to go away, right? Um, as you take on this mission, what do you say to men? What do you say to us who go, you know what, Denise? Okay. You're right. I hear you. How do I support what you are doing 
if I'm in a role that is of influence in a corporation today? First and foremost, if you are true and you really want to do that, you mentioned the word sponsor earlier. And I love reading the stuff that Carla Harris has put together on sponsorship. Oh, she's awesome. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome. Right? I mean, she's, I see her as an expert on that. And here's what a sponsor does it is different from a mentor, it is different from an advisor. A sponsor will put their ass on the line to make sure you get to push forward, right? That they push a person or people forward. And that means you put your reputation on the line. You it's, it's not an ultimatum, but sometimes it can be right. Either Denise gets this promotion or something else. And I can tell you, I have walked for people that I want, that I've sponsored and that in, in my organizations, I actually quit my second CEO role because the private equity firm I was working for uh, cheated my CFO out of his contractual bonus. And I said, are you really sure you want to die on this hill? Because if you do, I'm out. And they said they did. And I left. So that is sponsorship. That is sponsorship and it's scary and it's risky and hopefully in the best case scenario, right? It's just you being in a meeting where the person you are sponsoring is not present and, and standing up for that person and saying, well, if we're talking promotions, you know, Denise is the girl, she's it. And here's why she's the total package. She's blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's you taking that, um, that equity, we get equity through power, through respect in an organization. It's putting it on the line for somebody else. Hey, really quickly, I just wanted you to know that this experience is awesome audio wise. And I know you're loving it because otherwise you wouldn't be here. But I want you to know we also have a YouTube version of this same conversation. You can go to Grow Your Side Business over on YouTube right now. And guess what? You can watch us have this conversation out loud in the open. Uh, sometimes it just does better to make things stick when you're watching. So whether you're at home, whether you're in the office or wherever you might be and you're listening to this episode, go check us out on YouTube. Let's get back to the conversation. 